This episode is supported by Active Skin Repair. Active Skin Repair is a skin health company helping people heal with natural, non-toxic, medical-grade ingredients. I just randomly... Vinny was having a toe skin irritation issue and he ended up having this like skin that was really irritating him and it was getting kind of like icky and you know like when kids start to get like little scabs and scratches and then they want to pick at it and it was getting worse and so active skin repair showed up on my doorstep as a result of the sponsorship and I got to put it to use immediately and I got the ointment formula or the like ointment formulation and then also the spray and the spray was perfect so Vinny does not like ointmenty creamy lotiony things on his body but I was able to get out the spray literally took it out of the packaging the day it arrived put it on his toe before he went to bed and the next morning he was like mom my toe's all better. It was literally like this super amazing cure that helped his toes so quickly. So you can use active skin repair on a wide range of skin issues, including cuts, scrapes, burns, sunburns, rashes, other types of skin damage. It's totally safe, non-toxic, suitable on all types of skin, even parts of the body where you might have rosacea or eczema or have acne prone skin. This is also safe for the youngest members of your family up to the oldest. So now you have one simple solution for your family's skin health needs. With over 500 thousand happy customers and thousands of five-star reviews and super safe and clean ingredients active skin repair is something that you want to have on hand for your family so to get your own active skin repair go to activeskinrepair.com to learn more about active skin repair and get 20 percent off your order when you use the code shameless that's activeskinrepair.com use the code shameless for 20 percent off your order activeskinrepair.com code shameless This is the Shameless Mom Academy, episode 312 with Lisa Woodruff. Show notes for this episode, including any links mentioned in the episode, as well as any discount codes for our sponsors, can be found by going to shamelessmom.com and clicking on episode 312. Welcome to the Shameless Mom Academy. I'm your host, Sarah Dean. I'm here to give you and other passionate, driven, unapologetic moms tools, resources, and a little bit of humor to help you lead more positive, powerful, and purposeful lives every damn day. One of the best things about the Shameless Mom Academy is our community, so be sure to join us in our free private Facebook group to connect with other shameless moms just like you. You can find us over at shamelessmom.com forward slash Facebook. All right, let's dive into today's episode. And now I'd like to welcome our special guest, Lisa Woodruff, to the Shameless Mom Academy. So Lisa Woodruff is a shameless mom to two teenagers and the founder of Organize 365, the creator of 100 Day Home Organization Program, the Sunday Basket Workshop, and the Sunday Basket Workshop Paper Organization Certification Program. So you all have been telling me for a while that you want an organizer on the show. Lisa is the organization lady, as you can already tell. As the best-selling author of The Mindset of Organization, Take Back Your House One Phase at a Time, and How ADHD Affects Home Organization, Lisa shares her belief that organization is not a skill you're born with. It is a skill that is developed over time and changes with each season of life. Oh my gosh, I totally agree with this. Lisa has helped thousands of women reclaim their homes and finally get organized organized with her focus on functional organization, encouragement, and humor through her weekly podcast, Organize 365. Listen in as Lisa shares with us how everyone can benefit from organization, even if you're not an organizer by nature, how to better manage the research proven 28 hours of week required to manage a home, how to implement her Sunday basket system that will create a ton of freedom in your week and in your head, 
the specific steps to get kids involved in organization, and the science behind how much time and energy you save when you commit small amounts of time to organization. So I think you're going to be really excited about this. I know some of you already geek out on organization, and others of you are like terrified right now. There's something for everyone in here, I promise. So with all that said, I'm so excited to welcome Lisa Woodruff to the Shameless Mom Academy. Lisa Woodruff, welcome to the Shameless Mom Academy. I'm very excited to have you here today. Oh my goodness. Thank you for having me. I'm excited to be on. This is going to be fun. You are in a category of people that I have been wanting to get on the show. Literally, like I had organizer on my initial list when I started the show 300 some episodes ago. So I'm so glad to have you here. Well, I started listening to your podcast. I was like, oh, they need me. They need me. Yes. Need me. yes. So I, I reach out because organization is the number one thing that is holding women back. Like your level of organization holds you back in all areas. And it's a skill you have to learn, but it doesn't take that long to learn it. Right, right. And it goes along with something I talk about a lot, which I think can be applied to so many aspects of your life that structure equals freedom. And like you said, sometimes it takes a minute to implement those things. It can even be a little uncomfortable. But once you get them implemented, it's like, oh my gosh, I can exhale. And there's space now for other things that are more fun. Yeah, you're always like, I don't have time to stop to implement. But once you do it, you're like, why? Why did I wait so long to do that? Right, right. So we're recording this before the holidays. And I have all the stuff. I'm trying to get like a month's worth of recordings all set up and ready to go. And I'm trying to do it all in a week, which is a shorter timeline than I usually give myself. And so I had it like all in my head of like which show I had done at recorded ads for and which shows I had gotten the artwork done for. And finally, I was like, I need to just make like an Excel spreadsheet and check things off as I do them. And immediately, as soon as I did it, I was like, Oh, there's like so much space in my head now. I'm not trying to remember like, this for this episode and that for that episode. So to your point, yep, yes. and we're going to talk about that later. The number one thing you could do is get things out of your head. Yes. So we'll go into oh my that, gosh. Okay. that later. But so what exciting. you did is exactly what you always do when you're overwhelmed. Get it out of your head. Yes. Oh, I love it. Okay. This is going to be awesome. So before we dive into all of the details and get people real pumped up about organization, tell us a little bit more about yourself, about the dynamics of your personal and professional life beyond your bio and what you're most excited about right now. So like just a real quick overview of me as a person, I'm a born organized person. Like my mom could literally go shopping and I would sort buttons on the floor of the department store because I love to sort and organize. So I'm a born organized person. And I thought that you either were or you weren't organized. It wasn't something you could learn for a long time. And fast forward through being a teacher and many entrepreneurial ventures, I found myself in 2012 starting Organize 365. And I was starting it because I was going to be the professional organizer expert. I was going to go into people's houses and organize and I was going to do it for them because I did not think it was a learnable skill. And what I found was it is. And my degree is in teaching. And then I was like, okay, it's great that I'm physically organizing houses and creating one by one order in women's lives. But if I take some time and analyze what's happening when I work one on one with the client, what is the skill that's being taught? How do you teach it to adults? And then how do you get that out? That's the journey of Organize 365. Oh, I love this. And I love that you identify as being a born organizer because <laughs> I'm someone, and my son is like this too, where we're like, ooh, can we make a pattern out of that? Yes. Or like that kind of stuff is just like, it's like candy to the brain. Yeah. But I also have had conversations and I actually have a lot of friends who are that way too. I don't know, maybe just because like attracts like, but I've had conversations with women and with moms in particular who say, 
I'm not really an organized kind of a person. I'm not really one that like operates by a schedule or routines. You know, I just like to fly by the seat of my pants, which to an extent, like I don't relate to that because it's not me, but I'm like, I get it. Like that's how you, you know, kind of your innate personality type, but the chaos that that adds to parenting, Oh Mm -hmm. my gosh. So stressful. And so I've started talking to moms in one-on-one conversations a little bit about like, okay, like I get it, but like, what would it feel like if you just had a little bit of a system for like just the laundry, like, let's just start there. And it turns out that like, even people who don't identify as being people who enjoy organization or structure or routine still can thrive in it. (laughs) Yes. Well, I think we have structure in our life all the time until you have kids. So whether you were or were not a born organized child, there is structure in childhood. Your mom has structure at home. The school has structure. Sports has structure. Your job has structure. Everything has structure except the physical home. So if you did not have an organized mother, then you did not learn organizing in childhood innately in your home. And so then when you're in charge of your home, and you want to be creative with your kids and do experiences, you view structure at home like school or work Mm. or something that then would limit the amount of fun you can have, which is actually the opposite because you don't have any structure and order in your home. So you spend so much time doing all the routine tasks, like you said, of laundry and dishes and all of those things that you don't have time for the memory making. Whereas people who have organized their home and set up structures actually have more time for more truly creative things. Totally. I'm thinking of an example of a mom I was talking to who told me that she did laundry every night. And I was like, wait, what? (laughs) Why? (laughs) Like, I mean, if you have triplets, maybe like triplet infants, I'm not sure that for any other reason you would need to do laundry every night. And her kids were like, I don't know, three and five or something. And she was like, I know, I think I could make it this work better. I was like, yeah, I think you could. And so when she ended up kind of systematizing it a little bit, she Mm -hmm. noticed that like, oh, wait, like now the kids can have their bath earlier in the evening. They're getting to bed earlier in the evening. I'm getting more of my evening bath. Like there was the trickle down was so amazing. And she's like, I never thought about that, that I could just do laundry like once or twice a week. Yeah. Well, you know, like when you analyze your business or when you analyze your commute or you analyze your budget, like it's like, okay, this is something how we've done it. And let's look at how we're doing it going forward. How you live in your home is just something that's always been. And you very rarely stop to think about how do I do my morning routine? How does my week flow? How do I spend my after school hours? Like you don't normally think that way. And it requires a lot of stopping and analyzing. And there's so much that you do that you don't even realize that you're doing. Yeah. Like, you know, I'm so mad at iPhone for now telling me how much time I'm online. However, (laughs) you listen. It says whenever the screen is lit up, it's counting that time. And I have mine set so where the screen is on almost all day. So it thinks I'm on the phone all day. No. So it's lying. It's totally lying. Don't worry about that. It's It's completely invalid. (laughs) Totally Rogan. But the truth is, if you have notifications on your phone, just the little circle that has a number one on it for your social media or your email, you are going to check that like nine times more than if you don't have that little notification there. We don't even realize that we're doing things like that. That's a great example because everybody knows about the phone, yada, yada, yada. But laundry, when you do laundry every single day, did I put it in? Did I move it? Now I got to dry it. it, You're thinking about it. Yes. But if you do it once or twice a week, you could think about laundry on that day. And then on the other days, you don't think about it. We need to clear out our minds. We have so much running through our minds all the time. Did they get picked up? Did they do their homework? I don't know. Did we have milk? What are we going to have for dinner? I mean, this is constant in our heads. I don't have any of that in my head anymore. None of it. 
Oh my gosh. And everyone who's listening just got really jealous of you. (laughs) This episode is supported by Mysteries About True Histories, a podcast for your kiddos. So from the creators of the hit podcast, Who Smarted, and Netflix's Brainchild comes the adventurous world of mysteries about true histories, affectionately known as math. Every episode follows Max and Molly, who have just been recruited into a secret order of problem solvers on an adventure through time packed with puzzles, hidden equations, history, and laughs, making learning cool. This podcast is perfect for ages six and up, and new episodes drop every Thursday, each stacked with so much laughter that your kiddos won't even realize how much they're learning. I love a show where, as a parent, you're like, hey, let's listen or watch this or whatever, and your kids are thinking they're like getting extra device time or what have you, and you're like, they're learning right now. So it feels like such a big win. So I want you to go check out Mysteries About True Histories wherever you listen to podcasts. You can tune into Mysteries About True Histories with your kids. You can follow and listen on Apple Podcasts or wherever you get your podcasts, wherever you're listening to this podcast. So go check out Mysteries About True Histories to listen in and have some fun with your kid while they learn today. This episode is supported by a podcast I want to share with you called Understood Explains. So this show is about navigating ADHD, dyslexia, and other learning and thinking differences, which can be so confusing. And so every uh, season of the show is around a different theme. So there's a season on special education, there's a season on ADHD diagnosis for adults, and the current season is all about IEPs. I love this podcast because the episodes are 10 to 15 minutes long. So if you are short on time or short on focus, you can take this content in super quickly, easily. It's very digestible. And the show is hosted by teacher and special education expert, Juliana Utube. So Juliana talks all about how to navigate educational plans, IEPs. She talks about the differences between IEPs and 504 plans. She really breaks things down in a really clear and simple way so that you have some of those questions that you might be thinking around, like, does this pertain to my child? Is this something I need to be looking into? Like, where do we go from here? Where do I go if I have questions? Juliana has you covered. She explains so many different things and so many different little pieces and nuance of IEPs and special education and different things on Understood Explains. So I want you to go check it out wherever you're listening to this podcast. You can go listen to Understood Explains. Just go into your podcast app, do a search for Understood Explains, and it will pop right up. Click on it, pick your episode, and get the answers that you've been looking for and the support that you need around different learning differences and differences in school. So so let's talk about, I was so excited when you sent in some talking points for this interview, I was so excited about this specific talking point. And it's something that I had no clue existed until I became a mom. And then I was really bitter about it. So you talk about the mental load of motherhood. And what I've called that is the family manager role. And so like, I knew when I had a baby that I would take care of this baby and that there would be a lot of things that came with that. But I had no idea that there was this whole other role that I term family manager that like all these other things that are not directly related to just like feeding the baby and keeping the baby alive. And it's things like childcare situations or doctor's appointments or, you know, planning vacations. Like, are we going to fly? Are we going to drive? Do we need to take a pack and play? Do we need to take the baby swing? There's like all these things and husbands, and I know there are exceptions, so I will say that, but for the most part, husbands don't have a clue. Like they don't have, they do not have the list running through their heads. So talk about the mental load of motherhood and the struggle that that can really lead to for moms and what that was like for you. Okay. So first of all, it's not the load of motherhood because you love all that. 
Like you want to be in control of it. You love all that. What it is, it's the load of your house. And this Mm. is the statistical proof. The Pew Research Institute did a statistical analysis in American homes, and it takes 28 hours per week to maintain a home. That's cooking, cleaning, laundry, yard. This is not with children. 28 hours a week. And that breaks down to 18 hours for women and 10 hours for men. Interesting. That's before you add on a job, your personal needs, and children. So when you say, I don't have enough time, you're spending at least 18 hours a week doing the home care. And what I found as a stay-at-home mom, you get all 28 because, well, you're home. Right. <laughs> right. And all of a sudden, the 10 that other people must be doing if they're dual income, you're doing. It doesn't matter if you're making money from home. I make and pretty if, good money from home. And, and my husband's work like, from well, home. you're home. Yeah, yeah, yeah so I would I'm say work home. from home and stay from home would be the same, I would yep. think. Totally. Like, why didn't you let the dog out more? I'm like, do you know how many interviews I did today? Right. Like, <laughs> right. I'm working. Did you not see my paycheck? I have a paycheck. You have a paycheck. How do you think that paycheck comes in here? But it's because you're physically at home. There's this thought that, oh, well, she's home. She can do it. And then everything gets lumped on. Well, while you have the baby, can you do X, Y, Z? So yes, my kids are 18 months apart. They are adopted. And my son had extremely severe asthma. And this really came to a head for this born organized person when my kids were two and six months old. It was a Sunday night. It was eight o'clock at night. My husband had gone to bed. The kids were asleep. My son never sleeps. I have no idea why he was asleep. And I had energy and I was running. I don't know. I had all these different businesses I was doing. I was a leader in direct sales. I was trying to juggle it all, the medical, the IEPs, the everything. And I had this huge stack of paper on my kitchen counter. And it was literally a stack, just like, you know, just imagine papers piled on top of each other. It was at least 14 inches high and it had everything there. Prescriptions that needed to be refilled, bills that need to be paid. I was paying bills late. We had the money, but I couldn't find the bill to pay because it was in this stack of piles because everything was going so fast. I didn't know what to do. And so I sorted those all on the floor in front of me into piles of like, put all the bills together, put everything like, like with like, so I could attack this pile And I had 40 different actionable to-dos. And I was like, how am I going to get on top of that? So many of you listening are like, yep, I have that. It's worse today, though, because you don't have it all in paper form. This was 2001. It's not You have it in your direct messages. Mm -hmm. You have it in your text messages. You have it in your email. I print my emails, by the way. Oh, wow. You have it so many different places. You don't even know everything that's on your to-do list. And then it's all in your head. So then I got out index cards. and I just started writing down. We need more diapers. I need to get this gift for my mother-in-law. Everything that was in my head went on a separate index card. And then I added those to the piles. And then I was like, okay, it's Sunday night. I cannot get through all of this. Ladies, you are never going to get through all of it. Repeat after me. (laughs) We are never going to get through all of it. And I was like, well... The next time I will have any time to myself is going to be next Sunday. So what has to get done before next Sunday and everything else is going to have to wait. And I paper clipped them all together and I grabbed a basket because I had one and that became my first Sunday basket. Mm. And I left on the kitchen counter this pile of paper clip things that had to be done this week. And I left in the basket everything that could possibly wait until Sunday. And all week long, as mail came in, as prescriptions or toys that needed new batteries in them came at me, I just kept putting everything in this Sunday basket saying, it has to wait, it has to wait, it has to wait. And slowly over time, I got caught up on the stuff that was in that basket and I learned to not treat every single idea that came in my head, piece of paper that came in the mail and requests that got handed to me by a kid as something that had to be decided right now. Mm -hmm. If it could wait, it had to wait. 
Wow. Oh, that's so powerful. So I love the point of prioritizing based on like what needs to get done this week. But I also really love the idea of not being hyper reactive. So recognizing mm-hmm. like, okay, this can wait, I'm putting it here and like in compartmentalizing it and putting it out of my mind until it needs to be addressed a week from now or whenever. Because I think that I'm someone who is perhaps a little reactive. And so when things get added on my plate, I'm like, oh my God, and then this, and then this, and then this. And it's hard for me to compartmentalize in that way. So I love the idea of having a place to put it and be like, okay, that's there for now. And it's in a safe place. I know I'm not going to forget about it because I've chosen where yes, I'm going to put it. I'm not going to forget about it. That is the key line. We're yeah. so worried we're going to forget about it, which is why we drop everything to change a battery in a kid's toy. How many times have we done that? Do you know how much time that takes? You got to go. You got to get the battery. Then the screwdriver, of course, because right. I don't know. Where yeah, could that be? 20 minutes later, you change the battery. Now, if your child's going to have a meltdown, maybe you want to spend that 20 minutes. But as soon as my kids understood what the Sunday basket was, they were babies. They knew that toys that needed batteries went in there. That's what I was going to ask. So you, on Sunday. Yeah. So did you just introduce it kind of as a family concept then that like and so that they could also be kind of integrated into the system, the Sunday yeah, basket just, system? So organization always starts with the head of the household, like whoever's primarily at home and whatever they do, everybody just follows. So all of a sudden I just started putting all the toys in there. All of a sudden I saw the kids putting the toys in there. I never Mm -hmm. told them to do it. They just did it. Or like my husband would drop the mail in there. Like he saw me doing it. He's like, okay, this must be where mail goes. He didn't know it was a Sunday basket and I was doing it every Sunday or anything, but he was like, oh, that's where mail goes now. It's not on the counter. Right, right. I have told the story before, but when after Vinny was born, I didn't open mail for like six months. And especially like this day and age, I feel like there's not a lot of critical things that come via mail. But I that's did, why they can wait till Sunday. Right. Yeah. So, I did almost get like sent to court though because <laughs> for a parking toll that was like six months late and getting paid. So this like five dollar right. bill that I ignored and ignored because I just right. didn't know it was sitting there. Like six months later, it was like a hundred and five dollar bill. And with like this court ordered, um, <laughs> bit, like very official document, I was like, oh my God, I'm about to be arrested. <laughs> so, I mean, I love the idea of putting things in a place for later, but also recognizing that like probably don't wait six months. <laughs> until Yeah. Weekly is a really yes. good amount. Yeah. Like if you do it more than a week, I don't know, weekly just tends to be really good. And once you start doing, it, you're like, oh, maybe I don't have to do that every week. So you start going every other week or whatever. And then things like that happen. You're like, okay, I do have to do it every week. It's just a routine. And as you start doing it, so the rule of thumb is for every minute you spend planning, you save five in execution. Yes. I love this. I spend like an hour to 90 minutes on my Sunday basket every Sunday, but I get way into it. I pay all the bills. I plan everything. I'm homeschooling. I plan all the homeschooling. I do Mm. all that stuff. I guarantee you I saved five to 10 hours during the week because I did that planning and also because I have a place to just drop things that can wait until Sunday. Right, right. And to your point, I know that so you brought up the point of like for every minute you spend planning, you save five minutes on the other end. A colleague of mine was talking about planning out her week just for work commitments. She's an entrepreneur who works from home, also has two kids. And she said that she spends an hour, I think she says it's like an hour or two hours, like every Monday morning or something, planning out her work projects for the week. But she says, she's like, I for sure, like save hours and hours and hours. And she said, so much time. Yeah, the weeks that she doesn't do that, it really comes back to bite her. And I will say that I don't spend that amount of time planning my week. But if I even spend 10 minutes making a list for the week on a Monday morning, the mental load is so So much different. 
Because otherwise, all week I'm like, now yep. what? And what am I forgetting? Where should I go next? What's the next thing? Yes. How do I prioritize? And you feel it? like a chicken, like just yes. running around. I'm like I know I'm supposed to be doing something somewhere. So we actually have Friday boxes because that's what I did for my work. So just to tweak that a little bit yeah, on yeah. her system, if you do it on Friday around two, first of all, you're fried. Like nobody does anything Friday after two o'clock. I don't care who you are, you're fried. Like right. you spent it. So if you go through all your emails and all the meetings that you had and all the papers. If you do it Friday at two instead of Monday morning, then you can fire off emails to everyone that you've either met with that week or you're going to meet with next week because they're also fried and looking around, figuring out what to do with the rest of their work day. And then you are on their radar ahead of time. So if you have an interview on Tuesday and you're emailing them on Friday, that gives them the whole weekend to get back to you. And then you could double back with them on Monday morning. So it gets other people working on your behalf. Right. Right. And the system I set up with the Friday box, because I started in direct sales, we have entrepreneur and corporate and all those different boxes, is that you tend to do what you're good at. So in your case, it would be interviews and things like that. But maybe it's not reconciling your checkbook or oh, whatever. And so <laughs> it's definitely not the taxes. <laughs> we've broken every, oh. Yeah, we've broken every business into the four key components that you need to be successful. And so that when you go through the box, you're actually hitting all four areas of your business instead of only focusing on the one that is easiest for you or mm. best for you. Right. So you do hit finances every week and leads every week and customers every week and then your personal development every week. You may not do very much in it, but at least it's top of mind. Like, Oh, did I do anything this week for my personal development? Like even listen to this podcast or whatever. Yeah. yeah. Oh, I love that. So do you know Laura Vanderkam? Yes. I'm going to be on her podcast and oh, she has been on mine. Nice. Yes, so I just I interviewed her, her recently. Your interviews will probably be pretty close to each other once they go live. And I interviewed her last week and she talked about the Friday afternoon thing too, versus like Sunday or Monday planning. Yep. And I was like, why have I never thought about this? As well, someone when who likes to think I'm pretty organized, yeah. I'm like, this is so brilliant. And so it's I'm not like, organization. All about it. We are productivity nuts. Like mm, Laura yes. and I are going, she is amazing with her tracking, her sleeping. Oh for my like gosh. Years. Amazing. I like want to do it, but I didn't even do it for a day correctly. But she's really <laughs> good at that yeah. kind of stuff. But when you're into productivity like this, especially when you're leading people. So she has a podcast. I have a podcast. I'm trying to help women get organized and be more productive. We naturally do these things on Friday because we've known there's a difference and we have to stop ourselves yeah. and think, why do I not do like everybody says Monday morning? I'm like, that would be the worst time to do it. Why do I do it Friday? Right, and then right. we can go back and be like, oh, well, because all you people who are going to do it on Monday morning, our email is in your email inbox on Monday morning. So you are answering us when you're doing it. But we've already put it in your email inbox on Friday, which is more productive for us. Right, right. Totally. Mm -hmm. And there's so much. I mean, taking it back to the freedom, there's so much freedom, you know, going into a weekend, knowing that you already have the next week planned. Yes. Oh my gosh. So freeing. Huge. And the same, I mean, that's for your work time, but even if you're doing your Sunday basket on Sunday, same thing, like going into the week, knowing that you have all your family stuff planned as well is so different than coming home every day after work and being like, okay, now, like what now? What's the thing today? What's the dinner today? Who has practice? Like all those things. So makes so much sense. Yeah. And it is like the difference of like, if you're planning your work week on Monday morning to do your work week, and then let's say you did my version of the Sunday basket on Friday night to plan your weekend, you could do it that way. But the way I do it is it's kind of like wrapping up the week. So on Friday, you're still fresh in that work mode. So you're ready to wrap up and plan the yeah. next week. On Sunday, first of all, Saturday doesn't work because the whole family wants you on Saturday. But on Sunday afternoon, like your husband's had his fill, the kids have had their fill. There's 
moms, if they have any time to themselves, it's usually on a Sunday afternoon. That's why I put the basket on Sunday afternoon. That's when I do laundry, pay bills, get everything ready. And now as a working from home woman, I try to get every single thing I possibly can for my household done on Sunday. I almost do nothing household related Monday through Thursday. So that allows me the freedom on Monday morning to hit my work hard and not worry that I didn't get the laundry done or the bills paid or the meals planned or any of those other responsibilities that I want to do. Right, right. That makes so much sense. I do a lot of meal prep stuff on Sunday because I get real bitter if I have to do a lot of cooking during the week or if I just don't know what we're having. So like, I don't want to be thinking on Monday at five o'clock, like, what are we having for dinner? Because it just makes me real cranky. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> right, right. I'm not good at this, by the way. Anybody who knows me is like, wait, Lisa doesn't cook. Okay, so first of all, I don't cook. My husband does all the grocery shopping and cooking. Oh, so and I jealous. would say 80% of our meals are bought out. It's not great, Sarah. It's not good. I wouldn't say it's good for your diet or your pocketbook. But hey, we can't do it all. I don't know who... I'm running a business. I'm homeschooling my daughter. I just launched my kid off to college. I'm taking care of this house. We have a dog like I can't also cook. I'm sorry. I just don't do it. And also, I think it's totally appropriate to have those boundaries. And so for us, like we have systems in place to make meal stuff really easy. I'm sure my husband and my child don't love that like we have chili year round to times a week at least. (laughs) But I mean, we have a lot of things on repeat where it's like, especially in the Mm -hmm. winter, it's like, well, one night is chili, one night is tortilla soup, one night is like taco. I mean, it's pretty predictable. But no one complains because I'm like, if you're going to complain, then you're going to make your own food. So it's a season. I mean, I don't know. Yeah. So I think you just can't do it. all. I think you you figure out what works for you and you do it till it doesn't work anymore. And so if like eating out keeps things Mm -hmm. easy and efficient or takeout or delivery or whatever, like that's not the worst thing in the world. I'm in Seattle. Where are you located? Cincinnati, Ohio. Okay. So in Seattle, people like to get real judgy about, oh yeah. Oh my gosh, it's not organic. <laughs> not as it's much not, in Cincinnati. It's not gluten-free, blah, blah, blah. Like, did you get it at Whole Foods? Because if not, you're failing and like all these things. And it's like, you know, the reality is my kid is fed and happy. And it's funny how like my criteria for keeping my kid fed and happy my standards are much lower than before I had him. My standards for keeping myself fed and happy were way higher because I had the time and the energy to commit to that. And now I'm like, if he's having frozen fish sticks, he's getting in his omega threes or whatever from the fish oil. Like, I'm like, that's totally a health food, right? So yeah, you can't do it all. And you'll literally make yourself crazy trying like there was a period of time where I made every morsel my kids ate. They were gluten free, casein free, 35 other foods free going to all the naturopathic doctors. It was crazy. They needed that at that time. Yeah, yeah. But now my business needs me at this time and my marriage. I spend more time on my marriage than I do on cooking. And I think Mm. that that's good for my long-term health. (laughs) Such a great point. That is such a great point Mm -hmm. that sometimes we prioritize the wrong things and we don't even know that we're doing it. And sometimes it's an escape. And so recognizing like, where are you trying to escape different things. I know for me, like if I spend an hour making dinner, that's an hour that I don't have to parent. <laughs> and so yes. I've like, oh, yeah. I, have I agree to with catch that myself sometimes when I'm like, no, like I'm good doing dinner and cleaning up the kitchen. And then I'm like, yes, mm-hmm. I'm good because I can just drink some wine and like have on a podcast. <laughs> so I don't have to actually like hang out with my kid who's not super happy between five and 6 PM. And so. I totally did that when my kids are younger. I told you my kids are older we really started this eating pretty much every meal out or picking it up. When I started my business, Mm. my kids were 10 and 12. 
They were in private schools in different locations with medical needs. And I literally was in the car 25 hours a week. Plus, you know, the regular house care stuff that I had to do, plus doctor's appointments, plus trying to grow a business. There just something had to give. And because we were always in the car, like if you're in the car, there are these things called drive throughs (laughs) I would go through all of them. (laughs) And I'd have snack bags in the car. And like, yeah, that's when we got into the habit of it. And we didn't get out of it because when my kids were in high school, I would rather be the one driving them in the car and connecting with them so we have a good adult relationship than at home making a dinner that they're going to come home and eat. And I mean, because we don't sit down and have a dinner hour. We never have. Like, it's never been a thing our family has really connected with. I feel guilty saying that, but maybe a lot of you out there are going, yay, we don't I'm sure. either. Like, I'm sure people are like, we're so relieved. Sunday night, Sunday night, we sit down and we have dinner. Other than that, nobody eats together the entire time. So I could be killing myself to create something that wasn't naturally working, or I could do fast food, but we're in the car together literally 25 hours a week and using that 25 hours to make connections. You're, you're, I was going to say, you're getting plenty of relationship building in that car. <laughs> Yeah, but most people would be like, oh, it's terrible. You know, like, and so are they really saying it's terrible, though? Or are you just hearing that in your head? Yeah, I think a lot of people are just hearing it in our head and nobody's even saying it to us. Right. Media is saying it to us, but no other mom is saying it to us. Media is saying it. Other moms are relieved. They're like, oh, thank God. Yes, they're like, me too. How'd you get your husband to do that? And now when I go out with my friends, so we are in our late 40s, early 50s, and all our kids are in high school and college. Let me just tell you, the majority of couples we hang out with, the men are doing the cooking. It's oh, not the women. Nice. But I would have thought that all of the women were cooking. But when we get out together, no, the men take up cooking out. around middle school. Around middle school, ladies, the men start the cooking. And I don't oh, know what to tell you. Yeah. Interesting. Interesting. It's I'll let my husband know I've... that that's <laughs> coming. <laughs> Send FYI. him a little calendar invite for the first day of middle school. Yeah. And by the way, they're good at it. They're way better than I was. That's That's all I would say. That's awesome. Yeah. This episode is supported by AquaTrue. Having clean, safe water is the last thing you want to worry about. But unfortunately, according to extensive research by the Environmental Working Group, three out of four, yes, three out of four homes in America have harmful contaminants in their tap water. So that's why you got to check out AquaTrue. AquaTrue purifiers have a four-stage reverse osmosis purification process. And their countertop purifiers, which is what we have, take no installation or plumbing, and they remove 15 times more contaminants than ordinary pitcher filters and they're specifically designed to combat chemicals like PFAS, which can lead to potentially adverse health effects like cancer, endocrine system disruption, and liver toxicity, which is part of what makes AquaTrue so special, unique, and important in terms of how they are able to filter water. They also have water purifiers to fit every type of home. So like the installation-free countertop purifier that we have at our house to higher capacity under sink options. They even have Wi-Fi connected purifiers and mineral boost options. So I'm so excited about our new AquaTrue. And here's the thing. I swear it's like a gentle reminder to actually drink more water every time you walk into your kitchen. So we are drinking more water now and also more clean water. So more water that is more clean. It feels like a double win. I'm feeling pretty impressed with us. I feel like sink water, tap water becomes invisible at a certain point. And when I see the purifier on my counter, it's like many time a day reminder to like, keep drinking, keep drinking. So I want you to check out AquaTrue for yourself and for your family. AquaTrue comes with a 30-day money-back guarantee, and that makes it a great gift as well. Today, my listeners 
listeners can receive 20% off any AquaTrue purifier when you go to AquaTrue.com. That's A-Q-U-A-T-R-U.com and enter the code SHAMELESS at checkout. That's 20% off any AquaTrue purifier when you go to AquaTrue.com and use the code SHAMELESS, S-H-A-M-E-L-E-S-S, AquaTrue.com code SHAMELESS. This episode is supported by Earn In. Life doesn't happen bi-weekly, so why should payday? The money you earn now can be in your hands today with EarnIn. EarnIn is an app that gives you access to your pay as you work, up to $100 per day or up to $750 per pay period. Super, super easy to use. You just download the EarnIn app and verify your paycheck. Then you can access up to $100 a day as you work and leave an optional tip. So the app is free. You can leave a tip if you want. Any money you access plus tips are automatically repaid from your next paycheck. So here's the thing. Sometimes getting close to your next paycheck, next pay period, and you realize, oh gosh, like paycheck doesn't come until next Friday, but we have this event that we need to attend this weekend and we need money for it. Or we have to buy a gift for someone. Or, oh my gosh, like my kid tore through their shoes and now we have to buy new shoes this weekend and the money's not in the bank yet. So Earning can help you access the money you've already earned at work by giving you this little bit of money in advance. So make Earnin part of your financial routine and join Earnin's over three and a half million customers who say things like, when I think about Earnin, I think about financial stability and security, and it gives me a lot of peace of mind. So for our listeners, all you need to do is download Earn In today. It's spelled E-A-R-N-I-N, and you can download it in Google Play or the Apple App Store. When you download the Earn In app, type in Shameless Mom under podcast when you sign up. So there'll be a little place where you can, where it says, what podcast did you hear about them on? Type in Shameless Mom under podcast. This helps to show support for our show and our advertisers. Earn In is a financial technology company, not a bank, and subject to your available earnings, daily max, pay period max, and location. See earnin.com slash TOS for details. Bank products are issued by Evolve Bank and Trust, member FDIC. So I want to talk about, we talked about time a little bit a few minutes ago and how taking the time to organize and set up some systems can give you more time in the long run. What do you tell people who say, like, I don't have the time to get organized or like, I don't have an hour and a half on Sunday or the hour on Friday? Like, what are your strategies for helping people recognize that they do have the time or that they really need to prioritize making the time? No doubt you don't have the time. Like I'm just, yeah, of course you don't. Right. You do not have the time. And if you do have the time, you would rather binge watch Netflix right. than go through your bills. Like I totally understand that. That's not a problem to me. When you finally have had enough and you've decided that you no longer want to go through life in reactive mode mm-hmm. and you want to be proactive, you have to put some pieces in place in order to do that. And the easiest, quickest one is a Sunday basket. You don't even have to do my system. You could just listen to this podcast, pull out the latest Amazon box you just got and put all your mail in there and go through it next Sunday and start writing down note cards to yourself. And as you prove to yourself, oh, you know, she's right. That's kind of working. And you want to dive more in. I actually have a podcast just for the Sunday basket. It's 31 episodes and you can listen to that old podcast and continue to make your own. If you ever want to have the traditional like purchase a Sunday basket with the videos, you can do that. But You know, you just have to get to the point where you decide that I'm more interested in getting time for what I'm uniquely created to do and what I want to go out and do and be and have in the world than I am to just going through a life on reaction mode. Getting organized is about stopping being reactive and being proactive. Everything organization is about taking back control, 
taking back your time. It does cost time to do it, but you always get back more time and more money than you ever invest in organization. It's the only thing you can do where you actually gain money and time as you do it. Right. Right. Once you see it that way, I mean, it reminds me of exercise or like, you know, exactly. eating healthy. Or getting out of debt. Yeah. Right. Like at first it feels like a punishment, but then once you yes. get a little ways into it, you see the benefits and the freedom that come with it. And you're like, oh, wait, like this actually feels really, really good. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. For sure. That, it's not painful like we anticipate. So let's talk about clutter. Okay. And let's. because this is something I think that many women struggle with. And I find that it gets worse with kids because we have sentimental attachments to things. Well, our kids have attachments to things, so there's more junk, but we have attachments to things. So like my son, for example, brings home this folder every Friday. It's this Friday folder and it has like 30 pieces of paper in it of things, little assignments he's done throughout the week in class. And I look through it with him on Fridays. He actually loves to sit down and look through it together, which I think is really cute. But then I'm like, of course, like half of them, I think, oh, well, this is like a really good one. We should save this for his baby book or something. But then I'm like, am I really going to save? You know, if I save 10 a week over the course of a school year, I'm like, do I really need like 300 pieces of paper from kindergarten? Probably not. So I think that clutter really builds up because we hold on to things that we think are meaningful and precious and sentimental. But like, how do we draw the line? Okay. So first you just have to recognize reality. Like I'm a very functional organizer and I just give grace. If your children are under five, I want you to just, after this podcast, go take a nap. That is your assignment to do. I mean, and getting organized when your kids are under five, literally everything changes every three months. It's clothes and food and seasons. It's a lot. So your child is six. And so you're starting to come out of that as soon as they attend full-time school, when your last child attends full-time school, that's when you can really double down on organizing because whatever you do is going to start sticking. And the more you can make your organization match what a school looks like, the more success you're going to have. So the school has given you 30 papers in a folder. You have sat down and gone through them, which would be my first recommendation, which most parents don't do. So gold star for you. <laughs> I mean, that's the whole point is that you would relive their week of school with them. Oh, I think it's papers. super fun. To, I'm, and I don't know yeah. if any other parents do this. I think it's really fun and really interesting. But also, like, there's a lot of teachers in my family. And, like, we geek out on, like, developmental yes. milestones and all that right. stuff. So. so here's the thing about decluttering. Decluttering happens in stages. 80% of your closet you don't wear. If I went in your closet and took 80% of it out, you would feel violated and you would hate me (laughs) and you cannot do it, but you could go in your closet and you could eliminate 20% now and 20% in the summer and 20% next fall and get down to where you wear 65% of your wardrobe next winter and feel like it was a very normal process. So you cannot get rid of, you know, save one paper and get rid of 29. Like that might be too hard for you. But let's say you're down to 10 out of 30. That's great. And then you take those 10 and you put them in the kindergarten box. Now wait until summer. And then in the summer, you get out the box again and you go through this with your child again. And then you say, oh, yeah, that was a favorite. And that was a favorite. Now, this time you're going to maybe get rid of another 50 percent of those papers and keep another 50 percent and start a first grade box and then start a second grade box. And then pick your favorite 10 to 15 that go in a binder. And if you keep going through the box, it's fine. The whole thing about saving stuff is about the memories. What is the ultimate way you're going to store this paper? So we have a kid's memory binder. It's just one two-inch binder, and you put all the kids' papers in there. You can fit 200 papers in that binder. So that's a lot, right? 
Yeah. And I did it when my kids were like in middle school and they loved it. They loved going back through it. Mm-hmm. Or like baby clothes. You mentioned baby clothes yeah. before we yeah. got on air. The thing about getting rid of kids' items is not looking at each item and deciding if it's time to go or not. It's how are you going to save the memory? So how are you going to save the memory of your child's babyhood mm-hmm. and their clothes? Are you going to save the outfit they came home from the hospital in and one outfit that the grandparents gave them and then take what I did is I took the other clothes and I cut them up and I made them into a quilt when they turned so two, cute. they each got a quilt. And then I got rid of all the other clothes because I have these two quilts yeah. that have all their baby clothes on them. But if you just go through the baby clothes and try to get down to 30 to keep for what? Like, what are you keeping those 30 for? These kids carried around these blankets until they were like seven. And Greg's like, they have to get rid of the blanket. I'm like, they won't go to college with it. Leave them alone. <laughs> and I can't wait to have grandbabies who are going to play on these blankets. Like, how are you going to save the memory? Once you know how you're going to save the memory, it's easy to get rid of the extra that you're holding along with that item. I love that. That makes so much sense. And I love the idea of giving things multiple pass-throughs. So Mm -hmm. I think that like alleviates a lot of the burden of feeling like you have to make a lot of big decisions at one time, but you're still like being proactive and getting rid of some things, (laughs) which I think. And you're enjoying it. Like you're enjoying his school papers when they first come home, then the next summer, then the following summer. And eventually it gets to be like, yeah, he made 1800 dinosaurs when he was five. Okay, great. These were the best five. Right. And then you could get rid of all of them, but you've relived that phase four or five times at that point. The worst thing to do is to have it all categorized in the basement with these tubs and these labels on it and never go through it. Like, right. what's the point of that? Are you a store? Like, no, you don't want all of that. <laughs> That's what we did for like a solid, I don't know, five years with all the baby clothes and everything. And part of it was like, we didn't know if we were going to have a second baby. Right? And then I had this big thing about like, well, if I'm going to get rid of it, I have to divide it up. And some of it has to go to like this charity. <laughs> yes! And oh some of it God. has to go over here. And I had turned it into, are you familiar with John Acuff? Oh, yes. So he has this thing called noble obstacles, this concept. And I had turned it into this huge noble obstacle that for oh, me yes. to get rid of baby stuff, I had to like find the right place to donate certain categories of things. And my husband was like beside himself. He's like, we cannot live like this. We had a crib in our hallway (laughs) taken apart for like a year and a half. And I was Mm -hmm. like, well, but I have to wait until like I meet a single mom who's on the border of homelessness. And then that's who's going to get the crib. And he's like, let me know when you meet her. And you have like a week. (laughs) Okay, but here's what's happening. I don't have a psychological degree, but it's a huge process for you to get rid of the baby clothes in the baby crib because you weren't sure you were going to have another baby. Right, Right. And so you were mourning the loss of that potential future of what it could have been. Totally. And our stuff guides us through that process. Yeah. Yeah. And so it had to be there for you to be really sure that you were ready to give up this crib. Now, newsflash, there are stores everywhere that would have sold you another crib had you needed another one. But that's not the point. It had nothing to do with the crib. No. So that's so interesting that you say that because a girlfriend of mine said to me at one point when I was like, telling her that I was struggling with getting rid of things and whatever. And I said, well, what if in three years we decide we want to have a foster child or whatever? And she's like, you realize that you know a million people with kids who would just give you their crap and they would be so happy to give you their crap. And also, like you and your husband make decent money. You could just go buy new crap. <laughs> like we wouldn't. Okay. So I was saving all this stuff in case we like had another boy or another girl or whatever. I'm like, do you know how much stuff I bought for these kids? You think if we have another kid, I'm not going to go, you know, 
break out all the credit cards again? Of course I am. Like, of course I am. Well, now what's so funny is I think, okay, well, so now we've gotten rid of pretty much everything. And when I think about if that were to happen, like, let's just say in a couple of years, we're like, okay, we actually do want to adopt a baby, have a foster child, whatever. I think I'm like, we way overdid it last time. We did not need, I did not need 32 of the wooden puzzles where you insert the pieces. Like, Two of those would have been sufficient. Two. It's because you have educators in your family. Right. We have all that stuff. And then if it's paper, we laminate it. <laughs> yes, totally. Totally. So I'm like, if we do this again, I think I need a quarter of what I had before. And especially because I think I was so excited and invested in everything the first time yeah. around that I was like, I need every option of every single thing, yep. three strollers, like all the stuff. And now I'm like, no, I would need one and it could be used. <laughs> so, exactly. It's funny. Yeah, that, but like- our stuff is so emotional. And also when yeah. you say declutter, the other thing is, you know, we have moms of many different ages listening, like every generation and each mm-hmm. area of the country and each area of the world have their own idea of what is enough. Oh, good. Point. And so minimalism is really in right now. I call myself a maximalist. <laughs> like I oh, am, tell me more. I am not a minimalist at all. I'm a functional organizer. Like, okay. I don't know. I've got a lot of extra stuff in my house, but that's what feels good to me. I'm yeah. a Gen X, you know, 46 year old woman. I grew up with cabbage patch dolls in the eighties. Like I love right. stuff. Yeah. <laughs> I don't want to have like not enough stuff. We're really good with we're stuff. stuff. Yeah. I want the whole collection. Like, can I please right. get the whole China collection? I'm all never the beanie use, babies. But I need all of it. I need right. all of it. And that's what feels good to me. It's like to have these collections. So you have a lot of people who are minimalist and don't have a lot of stuff because they value experiences and other things. So there is no one right amount of stuff. Now I'm not eclectic. I'm very average. Yeah. I'm not a minimalist. I don't have a ton of stuff. Like I go in some of my crafter friends' houses. It's like walking in a store. I'm not like that, but they're very organized and they're very happy with the amount of stuff that they have as well. My mom was decluttering my grandma. She's 92. She was in a retirement community, independent living. It was a really nice place that she lived. And my mom knew that she was going to pass soon. And she's like, what else can we declutter? And they went through some cabinets grandma hadn't been through before and got rid of stuff. But she had a lot of collectibles and they were expensive collectibles. She'd collected Mm -hmm. them when she traveled all over the world. And she said to my mom, she said, I like everything I have left. Like, don't touch my crap. (laughs) (laughs) Dust it, please, because I like it. I like what I have left. And so I want to leave you with that. Like, I love to give grace Everybody with kids under five, remember you get a nap after this podcast (laughs) and functional and practical and a little bit better every day, Mm. but not perfectionistic, not like Pinterest. My home is never going to be in a magazine and yours doesn't need to be either. It's your home. What are you comfortable with? I have three Christmas trees. Maybe you would think that's excessive. I used to have five. I'm jealous. I want three. We have one. (laughs) I want three and I I want one to be up all year. (laughs) Oh, my husband would love that too. Like, so decluttering is getting down to what you want to use and the level of stuff you feel comfortable with, not a certain ideal. I love it. So good. So do you have any tips before we go on engaging kids in organization? And it sounds like, you know, your kids just followed suit once you started to practice the Sunday basket that they just knew that this was kind of a thing. But any other tips about getting your kids involved? Kids definitely follow your lead when you start organizing. The more you can organize like a school does, the better. Like Mm. after school, we do X, Y, Z. In the morning, we do X, Y, Z. Like anything school-ish or like modular systems that you put in, label stuff. Go ahead and label where the toys go. And then beyond that, my kids both have ADHD and they were not organized children at all. I had to teach them organization. It can be taught. Mm -hmm. Everyone can learn to be organized. 
I teach that children should organize their bedrooms. That is the area that they are responsible for. Anywhere between 7 and 12, they start organizing their bedroom. All children can do it by 12. A lot can start at 7, but some can't do it until 12. And I call their bedroom their mini apartment. And then over time, they just keep organizing that and taking ownership of that space because eventually they will be in their own dorm room or condo or an apartment. And they take those skills and they extrapolate them out. I'm not big on having kids organize the entire house for you Mm -hmm. because that's your house. They eventually will have a house. Right now, their bedroom is their apartment and doing that every Saturday, learning to organize their bedroom every Saturday. It's a learned skill. It took my daughter 18 months to learn it, but we did it together every Saturday and now she can organize anything. Oh, I love it. That's such a great tip. And I love the idea of keeping it like small and like with the boundaries of like just this one little space. Yeah. And by 12, all of their toys should be in their bedroom unless you have a like a moral thing against that. But by 12, it's their apartment and everything they own is in that apartment because you own the whole, you know, house. Right, right. Ooh, a bunch of people with kids who are 12 and over are like, awesome. We're yeah, time to get rid <laughs> of everything. toys out of the living room or the <laughs> yeah, rec room no or whatever. Toy room. Yeah, it's gone. Okay. Oh, this has been so good, Lisa. I really appreciate it. I think that you've given us lots of actionable tips, lots of things we can start right away that are going to make a big difference and create some structure that will give us more time and freedom and mental space, which I love. So before you go, I want you to tell us in what ways you are a shameless mom. I am a shameless mom because I do what my kids need and not what makes me look good. So like my kids will go to vocational trade schools, not a four-year college. That was a big deal for me. So becoming the mom that my kids need, not the mom that I thought I would be or that is portrayed in the media makes me a shameless mom because I put my kids over what other people think. Oh, I love that. And that's so powerful and definitely something that, I mean, I'm sure mom's listening like a little bit of freedom right there. I'd be like, oh yeah, like that actually should be the priority. That's awesome. Okay. Tell us where we can find you and where we can connect to your resources. So I am organized 365 everywhere. Organized 365.com is my website where you can find out more about the Sunday basket. And they have a podcast organized 365 and I'm organized 365 on all social media. I have a Facebook group that is free and I love Instagram. Love it. Is your Facebook group also Organized 365? Organized 365. Yeah. Awesome. <laughs> when you start in 2012, you can get your you name can get on everything. It. Yes. So great. <laughs> yes. Perfect. Okay. So I will have all that linked up over in the show notes at shamelessmom.com. And Lisa, thank you. Thank you for spending time with us today. This has been really, really valuable and I very much appreciate it. Thank you, Sarah. It's been a pleasure. Mamas, before I let you go, one last shameless reminder to go over and get on the wait list for Shameless Mom Con. So go over to shamelessmom.com slash momcon, that's M-O-M-C-O-N, and you'll get on that wait list so that you get one of those coveted spots to the first annual Shameless Mom Conference. Thank you so much for joining me in the Shameless Mom Academy today. I really, really appreciate you being here and I hope you learned something new. As always, this conversation will be continued over in our free private Facebook group. You can join that group by going to shamelessmom.com forward slash Facebook to connect with other shameless moms just like you. Additionally, if this is your first time listening to the show, know that we are here every Monday and Wednesday with a brand new episode. So make sure you subscribe, go to whatever podcast app you use and subscribe to the show so you never miss an episode. You can do that directly if you go to shamelessmom.com forward slash review that will put you in Apple Podcasts where you can click on the subscribe button and 
You can also leave a review. If you scroll down a little bit, you can leave a five-star review. You can write a few sentences letting me know what you thought about the show. If you let me know how the show has impacted you in becoming a more shameless mom, you might be nominated to be Shameless Mom of the Week. Also, please share this episode. My goal is to help more mamas be more shameless every damn day. So please do share this episode. You can take a screenshot of the episode on your phone and then share it out on social media. Tag me at the Shameless Mom Academy on Facebook or Instagram. I'm quick to reply and eager to send you Facebook love and love to be connected to all of you. So again, thank you for being here. I can't wait to be back here again with you in just a couple days. And until then, no matter what you do today, make sure you do it shamelessly. Well, hey there, busy mama. Are you looking for ways to make your life easier, your home less chaotic, and at the same time, add more joy to your life? My name is Deanna Yates, and I'm the host of Wanna Be Clutter Free, a podcast all about letting go of the stuff we don't need in our lives so that we can focus on what truly matters. Don't worry, I'm not gonna tell you to throw it all away or make you feel guilty about keeping something you love, no matter how many other people don't quite understand it but I will give you practical and more importantly, actionable advice so that you can make progress right away. And you won't just hear it from me. There are amazing guests too. It's like having your bestie in your pocket, telling you it's okay to let go of the things that are not serving you and your family in a totally non-judgmental way. So join me over on the podcast where we can work on progress over perfection for those of us that want to be clutter-free.